0: Welcome to the Gestalt IT Rundown, where each time we meet, we run down the IT news of the week with a variable degree of starkiness. I'm your host, Stephen Foskett, uh, my first time hosting the rundown solo. Joining me is the co-host, the darkest of Dark Avengers himself, Mr. Max Mortolaro. Max, welcome to the show. Hello,
1: everyone. Hello, Stephen.
0: Thanks for joining us. Uh, I always do enjoy it uh, when it's you and Tom and when I'm not able to be on here. So hopefully you won't let me down. All right, let's kick things off with news or nah, when we decide whether a story is worth uh, focusing on or not. Um, If there is a Tesla of quantum computing, it's the company known as D Wave. They've been leading the pack and just announced a next generation quantum annealer or chip as we like to say. Max, what do you think of this, um, I guess, overall, like D-Wave, quantum, all that kind of stuff, and also this uh, next generation chip? Is this a big deal, or is it just more of the same nothing burger that quantum computing has been so far?
1: That's an interesting question. Actually, it all goes down or boils down to what we're looking into uh, quantum computing. I think it is still a very much narrow field as of now in terms of what is being produced and what it can be used for. So what I've been reading about that is that uh, D-Wave, uh, the, the chip they're making seems to enable, uh, it, it's all specific use cases where you need apparently to uh, to do energy optimization problems. I'm not an expert in that field, by the way. And and therefore, it is very narrow in its application. The the, the, the question is, you know, who is, it, is that useful for? If we look at what we do in general purpose IT, I don't think that it's something which is, uh, that's interesting, at least from, from my perspective, but for some very specific focused use cases, it might be a big deal. So, I don't know what you think about that, by the way.
0: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm skeptical. I, I gotta say, I'm super skeptical of D-Wave overall. I mean, I, um, I follow it from a kind of a non-tech uh, mm-hmm. perspective. In other words, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what the heck it is. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the real deal. Um, but I'm super skeptical of it. I'm not sure that this is really quantum computing at all. And if it is, I'm not sure that it's going to actually deliver the goods. Um, but I guess we'll see. Um, frankly, I'm going to go with nah, just because uh, basically it's quantum computing. And pff, what the heck is even that, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I guess that's that for, uh, for D-Wave. Um, up next, uh, what do you got for me?
1: So, what I've got for you, uh, let me check that right now. Um, Well, one thing we were talking about recently, and it's a discussion we have very frequently uh, when we're chatting together, is talking about uh, NUCs, if I'm saying that right in in English. And it seems that you're a very avid user of NUC. Uh, So, one one point for you is uh, uh, you've been following that space, uh, I think, very closely for many years, and uh, I'd like to ask you, uh, what do you think about the uh, recently announced 11th generation uh, of NUCs? Uh, do you think that it's worth the upgrade? Or uh, is it uh, something which is more of a non-event from your perspective?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm um, kind of excited um, and kind of not. Um, it seems like every generation of Intel NUC or NUC, um, it seems like every generation is pretty cool, but not quite there. Um, and just as background, these are basically tiny computers uh, that are full-on, you know, Intel computers, and you can run basically anything on them. They're super popular in the home lab um, world, especially you know the VMware folks. A lot of the build home labs out of them. I actually just bought thirty of them, uh, if you can believe that, to build a cloud. They mm-hmm. are fifth and sixth generation NUCs, so they're way, way back um, when they had Atom CPUs and so on. Um, and uh, you know they're they're really really cool. They're really useful, um, especially when you're doing things like what I'm going to be doing, which is like building a Kubernetes cluster. Because they can run the latest software. Uh, they're super low power. They're super quiet. You know that sort of thing. Um, the 11th generation uh, incorporates the new um, you know next generation Tiger Tiger Lake CPUs. Um, that brings with it a bunch of cool features just inherently because of the CPU. You know you've got PCIe Gen four. Um, You've got Thunderbolt 4 built into it. Um, you've also got 2.5 gigabyte Ethernet, uh, two two 2.5 G base T um, Ethernet, including dual ports in some of the models. Now, it's important to note that these have not actually been announced, they were leaked. Um, and um, our friend, uh, you know, Florian over on uh, vertin.net, I'm gonna include the link in the notes here, um, has a rundown of, of what the systems have. Um, It sounds really freaking awesome. But of course, most of that is really, like I said, just due to the fact that it's using the next generation CPU. Um, And there's some big asterisks here. The biggest asterisk is that this NIC is not supported by vSphere. Um, So that's gonna be a problem, but that's been a perennial problem with the NUCs and we've kind (laughs) of worked around it. Um, I'm excited. It's a next generation NUC. It's gonna be faster. It's gonna have some cool features. Um, Not super excited. I'm gonna go with nah. What do you think?
1: I think it's uh it's it's a pretty cool thing. And as you said, you know, even if in UCs have never been formally supported, there's always been some kind of workarounds and they are still so much so much popular with all uh, the uh ES6 and VMware uh people. So uh, I think it also makes a kind of nice introduction into the the next topic.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So um, as like most of us do, uh, you know, we follow VMware pretty closely, we're pretty excited about, uh, you know, vSphere, but VMware is going into the cloud and uh, VMware actually at VMworld this uh, today, or yesterday just announced uh, the VMware AI cloud. Is this the final realization of VMware software defined data center? Or is it just another um, uh, AI washing uh, for the sake of marketing?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's an extremely interesting announcement. And uh, the, the, the entire uh, discussion around what AIML is about and what it delivers is always a, a hot topic, one that it keeps it's the gift that keeps on giving, right. But in, in, the, in the context of VMware, I think that we're finally moving in the right direction uh, in terms of what we were expecting from all of these tools. What we're seeing now and what I've been reading about that, is what I was expected to was, I was expecting to see in v Realize actually not one or two years ago, but eight years ago, when I was still a pre-sales consultant and we were being sold the concept of what v realize is doing. At least we were talking about uh, v realize uh, you know, the operations part of, of Vrealize. That's what we wanted. We wanted to get these health shields and all of this information coming in. But uh, um, I think that it's still uh, I mean, at least from if we focus purely on the VMware topic, that's a great advancement. No, if I understand it right, that is for now limited to vSAN. And the thing about uh, about uh, th- th- this topic, which is about storage, is that VMware uh, it seems on that aspect to be somehow catching up with the others. If you look what some of the other vendors have been doing if you look at pure One, for example and other things uh, all of these recommendations and all is nothing new actually so uh, it's news if you're in the vmware ecosystem if you are a, a vSAN user and if you're really investing heavily into those uh, you know tools such as vrealize automation vrealize uh, whatever it's called for operations management and so on but otherwise i don't think that it's such a big deal actually
0: yeah, I mean, my concern is that basically they took the word AI cloud and applied it to basically an operations product when they actually have an AI cloud sort of coming with Monterey, which is something we're going to talk here in a minute. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm not super um, excited about it, uh, but it is actually a really good piece of kit. I mean, it's, it's good. It's undoubtedly good, but... Um, you know, it's VMware catching up to what a lot of the other storage vendors are doing, in my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and moving to, uh, to some other the news, uh, Stephen, uh, you know, I know that Arista is a long term uh, field day presenter, and they just announced at Networking Field Day that they are acqu- acquiring uh, Awake Security. So, since you know that company uh, very well, what is Awake Security bringing to Arista? Is it really big news, or is it just another uh, acquisition for IP? Or what do you think about that? Well, you
0: know, some of Arista's competitors have really been making hay with their AI-powered um, security products, and uh, basically that's what this is. Um, you know, if you've been following Juniper and Mist, um, which I'm sure Arista has, and I'm sure Arista has been watching with the evil eye as uh, Juniper makes waves uh, with with Mist. And as other companies in the space, you know, I know Aruba's working on it. I mean, you know, um, throughout the HPE portfolio, I know Cisco's got a lot of AI powered stuff. Um, You know, Arista needs it too. And um, they've got it. Awake was a pretty good good product. It was pretty well respected. And now it's part of the Arista family. Um, But again, um, is this news? Well, it's news in the fact that they just announced it, um, you know, two days ago, and that they use this as part of their announcement at Networking Field Day. Um, it's it's certainly interesting. Uh, if you're interested in what's going on here with security and networking, I urge you to check out the Arista videos from Net- Networking Field Day 23. Those will be posted probably today or tomorrow on techfieldday.com. Um, but I'm going to go with kind of not nah overall, because it's not like this is a groundbreaking product.
1: hmm
0: so uh, Max, over here in the States, uh, one of the largest hospital systems was just uh, uh, hit by malware. They just announced a couple of days ago that Universal Health Service uh, has all the hosp- has hospitals across the country. Um, the media is saying that this is the Ryuk ransomware and has disrupted operations at these hospitals. Of course, the hospital is playing it down. The hospital is not even saying the word ransomware. Um, what do you think of stuff like this is this news is this uh, j- just the latest in a series of attacks or is is this sort of a next generation um, situation
1: uh, very good point so uh, the, uh, the in, in my view in my view uh, this is just the the latest attack I don't think it's something that something more serious is going on and the reason why I'm saying that is that the uh, the uh, so the First of all, ransomware attacks are happening in all of the verticals possible. Healthcare just gets always more attention because the the life of patients is threatened. Uh, So it's not the same stuff as uh, not being able to upload your runs for three or four days, right? But the, in the in the case of uh, in the case of that uh, of that U.S. healthcare network, it's it's a big one. It's a Fortune 500, if I get it right, and therefore the impact is much more massive because they have much more hospitals. But it doesn't seem that this is a change in operating model or that it is a higher threat or something of this kind because you would if you would have many healthcare organization targeted at the same time and all going down at the same time, then you will think about some kind of coordination, some, some, some planning some ag- some kind of agenda behind that. but in that case it just seems to be one uh, you know uh, hacker malware organization whatever you want to call that, which is focusing on one big company because they can they are hoping to extort some money out of them. So for me it's not something serious, it's not an escalation. Uh, who knows? But it doesn't feels like one at least. Yeah,
0: and I, I gotta agree with you. I feel like um, a lot of this stuff is um, just sort of the next bad news in a long line of bad news, and um, you know, it's it's almost uh, it's almost hard to get excited about yet another hospital getting yet another malware attack. But I think maybe what the story here is is just the fact that this is such a big. Um, hospital group, um, they have their IT systems are spread across. And of course, that's what hospitals are trying to do right now. They're buying, you know, big ones are buying small ones, they're trying to use the same IT systems across all of them. And that spreads the risk and that creates a new risk. Um, But yeah, I think it is just sort of the the next in a series of, uh, you know, of hacks.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So moving on to uh, to to some of the main topics, uh, we, we've been talking for months about Intel. You know, stumbling with their uh, you know horse race in the semiconductor manufacturing about their ten millimeter process, uh, and and one of the challenge there is trying to figure out what those their naming uh, convention means actually. You know, uh, it's it's hard to figure out, and I think you spotted a great article on Anantech we just conversed. Uh, how confusing the uh, naming for the ten millimeter process is. So, uh, uh, do you uh, what do you think about this situation?
0: Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about you know semi manufacturing, and and it's funny because you know you know it's like oh well is fourteen really fourteen or is that the equivalent of twelve or maybe twelve is the equivalent of ten maybe ten is the equivalent of seven. Intel says that they're like ten plus 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 is the equivalent of you know the TSMC seven, and, and it's just like well I don't know um but now it gets even more confusing i had been wondering about this for a while um many of you might have seen the term superfin um, out there in the press when you're you're you know hearing about semiconductors and next generation you know we talked about the tiger lake announcement and uh, you know it uses 10 nanometer superfin well, what the heck is 10 nanometer superfin i mean what does that even mean um, so uh, Anand, like you said, they they kind of dug into this. Um, it's actually a really really nice bit of uh, investigative journalism. I have to say, I am I, I'm going to tip the hat to them for digging into this. They spoke to tons of people within Intel on the engineering and the marketing side, and they uncovered the fact that basically there are literally 10 different ways that Intel has referred to their various 10 nanometer project or processes. Now there's really only four different variations, but li- it, there's literally like all sorts of different things and they kind of shifted it and they kind of want to forget Cannon Lake because that one sucked. And so they kind of just moved forward to Ice Lake and call that 10 nanometer instead, even though that was 10 plus. Anyway, the bottom line is that um, there's kind of OG ten, which was the Cannon Lake product that was terrible. There's what they call ten now, which is Ice Lake, Snow Lake, and so on, which are their you know kind of their current products uh, that are that are out there. Then there's uh, ten Superfin, which is basically the the the, the plus version of ten, uh, which is what's in Tiger Lake, um, and then there's Enhanced Superfin which is coming next with XE graphics. And I think that those of us who are kind of um, maybe not quite as in depth with this stuff, um, you know, maybe, maybe we can enjoy the fact that uh, now that we know that superfin just means kind of plus and enhanced superfin means plus plus, I I guess that's good. I really hope that we don't see a rehash of what Intel did last time around with where they had literally, they had five pluses um, super ultra enhanced superfin. I don't think so, please Intel, please uh, help us to just know what's what, I don't know. Um, But hey Max, let's talk a little bit back to VMware which is a little bit more interesting here. Um, So uh, we talked earlier about the vRealize AI cloud which like I said is actually not a cloud of AI but in fact AI to manage clouds. Um, But we also heard about VMware's Project Monterey Um, They're partnering with companies like Pensando, Nebulon, NVIDIA, and they're building a composable infrastructure solution around next generation smart network cards. Um, These cards are known as DPUs or data processing units. Um, And this is the reason uh, NVIDIA bought Mellanox, basically, because Mellanox had a a horse in this race. So, um, I know you've seen presentations, Max, by Pensando and Nebulon at at field day events. and I know that you've been following these things uh, over at Tech Unplugged, uh, and you've, of course, everybody knows about Mellanox, at least if you're nerds like us in this industry. Um, what do you think of Project Monterey? Is is VMware really a credible uh, name in composable infrastructure, and is this how they get there?
1: I think it's uh, Project Monterey is a big deal. Uh, to get to your first question, uh, is is VMware a credible, uh, you know, uh, company in in that field. I don't think that VMware is really credible in that field. However, VMware has some experience in kind of bringing all the things together. And the way I see that, that evolution, where we went from, uh, so we've had the virtualized world, which we know very well, uh, well and over. We have Kubernetes, which is yet something a bit of a nebula, uh, not to think about Nebulon, but anyways, it's, it's a bit kind of, We know what they want to achieve and all. And then we have infrastructure and composable infrastructure. And there, I think that VMware has a role to play in kind of orchestrating all of these composability, right? We we know that, uh, you know, Mellanox slash Nvidia are uh, doing these uh, DPUs, if I get the term right. Uh, We know that all of the major vendors are working on composability in one way or in another, or at the very least have a gen one product Uh, in in that area. We know that there is this consortium, I forgot the name, but there is a consortium which is, I think is the uh, DFS or ZFS, it's not ZFS, ZFS. Anyways, there is a consortium to which all of the major vendors are participating into, and they are building standards for the next generation of composable infrastructure. And I don't see a reason why VMware couldn't play a key role here in building the orchestration around that. They've done that with VSphere. They've done that with uh, Cloud Foundation, and so on. And it, it it seems to be yet another version of the SDDC, you know, not the software-defined uh, data center, but the composable data center, perhaps. You know, so uh, I think that yes, it it does it does make sense. And if they're able to bring that vision, it it will be absolutely great. And and by the way, uh, it kind of builds into some of the experience they have working with AWS. Uh, If you can compose the infrastructure properly, you don't even need to have VMs anymore. If you can cut and slice your architecture as you want. I mean, we've seen that. I remember very well from the presentation we had from Liquid uh, at uh, the last uh, Dell Tech World in in Vegas, where we were together. And that was somehow part of that vision. So I do think that uh, it's an interesting project, definitely.
0: Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, the interesting aspect with these DPUs, too, is that, um, you know, it it is something that allows us to have uh, maybe better performance and, um, you know, kind of maybe break down a bit the whole data gravity question, because, you know, if your NICs also have, you know, compute, uh, compute power and programmability, um, it, this this really is kind of a clever clever solution. Um, I know that you uh, are with me in um, probably when you saw uh, the Pensando presentation for the first time or the Nebulon presentation. I'm sure you were thinking, "Oh, it's like Coho data, right? you know, where the the network is part of the storage, right?" Um, and I think that that's um, you know, it seems like a really clever idea, a really cool idea. Um, and certainly, there are a bunch of companies, uh, really respected uh, folks, working on these things. Um, you know, we had Nebulon present at, at Field Day. We've had, you know, Pensando present at Field Day. And actually, uh, for what it's worth, on Tuesday we're going to have a presentation from Pensando on Project Monterey um, with Tech mm-hmm. Field Day. So I'm pretty excited to see uh, to see that and kind of dig into this. Um, you know, my take on Monterey overall, like you said, this is. Um, another example of VMware continuing to make themselves relevant in the future of the data center, even as technology changes around them. Um, I mean, who would have thought that the, uh, you know, the VMware desktop company from that let you run, you know, Windows on Mac back in the day would be the, you know, the, the future of the data center, Um, but it certainly is. And I think that this is actually a really good move for them because it, it shows that they're continuing that progress on um, you know, owning the Next Generation Data Center. And, um, you know, speaking of that, um, you know, continuing progress and owning the Next Generation Data Center, we got to talk conferences too. So VMworld is going on right now. Um, You know, I'm not there, you're not there, nobody's there. Um, It's a legendary conference though. It brings together the entire industry and um, it's easily the best attended conference for people like you and me. Um, But thanks to the pandemic, uh, it went virtual this year. Um, What do you think of conferences this year? What do you think of VMWorld this year, and what does it mean for the future of conferences in general?
1: Yeah, so as you as you clearly stated, I'm not at VMWorld this year. I just didn't have the chance to to, to get there. But talking about conferences this, this year, at the very least, I think I've been writing some something on that very recently. Um, you know, con- virtual events are hot. It's it's really it's really difficult, especially so. It's it's hard in general because a virtual event is competing for your attention. When you're at a physical event, you are there physically. You are present. You are focused. You are you are extracted from your natural environment, from family, from uh, children, from uh, work obligations, and you're just put in a place where you can focus with like-minded professionals, hopefully, and and therefore. Uh, the, the the old world of physical events uh, was something that i really appreciated because it allowed me to focus in ways i couldn't otherwise this new world of uh, virtual events is really hard at least for me to to focus on you mean the uh, you mean you can kind of even even if you are to you are watching a session from a very respected community member you do kind of lack the uh, the how to say that in the physical presence the attention the uh, uh, the nonverbal communication, even if you see that on a screen, it's not the same as seeing that in real, right? It's all the signals that we're uh, kind of getting in- unconsciously, uh, you know, uh, that our reptilian brain or whatever you want to call that processes. So that that kind of breaks down the uh, the interest. And and most importantly, uh, what makes uh, VMware uh, world legendary is the community that was built around it, the people it brought together, and. Yeah. I really used to say, you'll tell me if you think the same, that I go to VMworld not so much for the presentation, the keynotes, but I go there for the friends, for the community, for the people, for the intellectual stimulation, which I get from going there.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And um, from my perspective, um, you know, VMworld is the, the pinnacle community event. Um, but of course, there's basically no community around it this year officially. Um, but you know that got me thinking. Um, you know, frankly, there hasn't been a lot of official community at VMworld for a long time. It's all been unofficial. Um, I don't want to talk out of school about anybody, but I know people who go to VMworld without ever getting a pass and don't ever go to anything. They just go to the show and uh, you know talk to the people. You know, you get a hotel room, maybe you bunk up with somebody else. Uh, you know, you spend three or four days, to, uh, you know, walking around San Francisco and talking to people. Um, that's freaking fantastic, and VMware is lucky, lucky to have that kind of dedication from people who are willing to fly in and not even see any of the any of the conference, not even see any of the presentations or anything. Um, and that's actually kind of happening. I, I'll give a little shout out here um, to a friend of mine. Um, you know, there's a, a, a Discord community called Orbital Jigsaw that has just a tremendous, tremendous alternative community running right now. Uh, basically think of the what they used to call the V-Hallway track, uh, that's what's going on over there at uh, at Orbital Jigsaw. So if you're interested in that um, and you want to attend VMworld, uh, the social parts of VMworld, just go to uh, discord.gg slash Orbital Jigsaw and you'll find uh, that community, uh, tell, them, tell them I sent you. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that this is, well, VMware should be maybe a little worried about this because frankly, if uh, if a third party is providing what it was that we got out of VMworld, uh, maybe we don't need VMworld anymore. Um, you know, maybe it's maybe if it's all about the community, maybe we can do that. Um, we do need some kind of focal point. We need to bring people together. Uh, it, it is really hard for companies to do this. A couple of weeks ago, we had a sprint with NGINX and um, one of the people in our Tech Field Day community, um, Calvin uh, Hendricks Parker, uh, well, he developed uh, the uh, platform for the Python user group uh, or user conference. And we um, and we uh, deployed that with Calvin and Nginx as a uh, sprint for the virtual conference. And, um, you know, I really liked it because it was content first. Um, it was really interesting. You know, it was trying to bring in that community but it just showed how hard it is to, to do these things virtually. One of the things that really killed us was the hackathon. Oh my gosh. Um, It's so hard to do a hackathon when you're not in a room with a bunch of, you know, cokes and uh, snacks. Um, That was a big challenge for them. But on the flip side, you know, we had people attending from all over the world.
1: I think I think that anyways that that is a common trend we're seeing with all sorts of events you know even even the tech field day you know the, the, the physical presence is so much important and and to 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 say what you uh, to to uh, compliment on what you said about VMworld people flying in and just booking a hotel I mean We've been doing that in, in EMEA as well. I mean, in EMEA it's even better because you get from all over Europe. And I have to say that one of the years, I was even to the point where I didn't knew if I would get a pass or not. And I really told some of my close community friends, look, I don't care if I get a pass or I don't get a pass. It's the time of the year when I get to see my friends, to get the important people in my life in this community, because I mean, it's more than just people knowing each other. It's close bonds, it's people helping each other, it's really close friendships. And I say, I'm gonna be there, whatever happens. You guys have fun during the sessions, I'll see you in the evenings and we'll get together. So really uh, something that VMware should really cherish.
0: Yeah, I usually, um, I'll just say that I usually go out, you know, try to get at least a pass, even if I don't use it. Um, I love, uh, you know, Cisco Live has had uh, basically a cheap pass, VMware sometimes has had this as well. Um, just because I feel guilty if I would go to their show without having a pass. Uh, but there have been times that I have never used the pass that I got. In other words, I never walked past anybody checking badges because that's like not the thing, right? We were all just, you know, um, doing everything else. And there's all these other, you know, wonderful community things. You know, you've got the V Brown bag, you know, you've got VM underground, um, you know, you've got all the, um, all the stuff going on with the vendors and briefings and, um, but it just doesn't feel the same this year. Um, I'm sorry, I just can't wait to get back in person. Um, Absolutely. You know, Tech Field Day is virtual right now. We're gonna have in-person Tech Field Day just as soon as we possibly can. I think maybe Tech Field Day will be able to revive soon, but um, let, me, uh, let me ask you, Max, and then we'll ask the audience as well. Um, what do you think? When, are, when is there gonna be another VM world in the classic sense, if ever?
1: Well, I, I do really hope that we're gonna see uh, some kind of normalization around 2021. It all depends sort of about what's going to happen, of course, with the uh, situation around the world during the uh, you know uh, autumn, fall, winter time. You know, see, how it's going to evolve. Whether we're going to see some improvement, maybe with uh, vaccines or whatever's going to happen, or maybe we will just get used to the fact that this thing is around and that we kind of need to shift the way we're doing things. And and. You know, as a species, we've always adapted, and I'm sure that we will adapt as well even this time. But really, I can't wait to get back physical, and I swear I will not complain about coffee anymore.
0: Hey, there's some good coffee. Uh, You know, you can get some good coffee in different places. Oh, man. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that the earliest we'll see a a big open conference would be the second half of next year. And I'm going to go out on a limb and think, you know, we might not even see it then. Uh, It might be a couple years before people feel comfortable because it's not just the law and availability of vaccines and stuff. It's people's personal comfort. And I don't know when people are going to feel comfortable, uh, enough people, a critical mass of people are going to feel comfortable getting on a plane, going to a big conference center, you know, mixing and mingling with people from all around the world. Um, it feels like a lifetime ago uh, that, we, that I was in San Francisco for the RSA conference, and, um, and that's the last conference I attended, and um, hopefully it won't be the last conference I, I ever attend. Um, So on that positive note, I guess uh, let's go ahead and uh, and wrap this thing up. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Please tweet at S Foskett and tell me when you think conferences are gonna come back. Um, I I don't know, Um, we'll see. So please remember that the rundown is available as a podcast as well. And um, it's live on YouTube every Wednesday at 1230 Eastern time, 930 Pacific uh, at youtube.com slash IT video. Uh, we also post uh, the videos of this on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Gestalt IT. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday to talk about uh, all the IT news of the week that was, uh, probably me and uh, Mr. Tom Hollingsworth himself. Uh, until then, uh, for myself, uh, for Max uh, Mortolaro, and of course, uh, Tom Hollingsworth, and the rest of the Gestalt IT family, uh, here's wishing you and yours uh, a super sparkly VMworld.
1: Take care. Bye.